Welcome back to the Upper Tier Podcast, the podcast we bring you each and every week on the Dynamo's Podcast Network, also now available on YouTube on our channel, Dynamo Podcast Network. Pop over there, smash that subscribe button and bell notification, give it a like and a share and support and so we can try and grow this community. Joining me today on a very special episode, I have my partner in crime, Peter Hart from the Superior Comic Show. And from Peter Hart Graphics, the sponsor of the show. And also joining us today is friend of the show, Mark Hogan, a man who has many, many irons in the fire, a referee, a trophy business, a father, all that sort of good stuff. How are you That's doing it. today, Mark? I'm good, lads. Thanks for having me on. Thanks again. Brilliant to have you on, yeah. Absolutely. So today we're going to have a chat about all things refereeing, really. Um, Keep your card pocket. Yeah. <laughs> also, now sending offs on this show. Yeah, and also uh, have a good chat, obviously, about the the trophy business you have there and how that's going and stuff like that. And then finish off. Have a little. We'd be uh, we'd be uh, dismissive if we didn't have a quick chat about Man United at the end as well. Being a big Man United fan, so we'll have a chat about that. So to kick it off, I suppose tell us then uh, tell us a little bit about the refereeing and how you got started and what happened. Um, yeah, basically about seven or eight years ago, um, I was playing football, got a bit of a bad back injury, but um, you know, still wanted to stay involved, but I couldn't play to the you know level that I wanted to play at. And uh, me friend Keith, keeper, and who was refereeing at the time, um, kept, he kept saying it to me, why don't you do the course, do the course? So I went to the FEI and done the two-day referee course. And uh, yeah, no, I've been doing it ever since, so I've been really enjoying it, you know. Excellent. And um, what would be like, say, what would be a typical weekend for you in terms of refereeing now? Um, well, look, kind of with the kids and all at the moment, I'm kind of doing less games and obviously with the COVID. But when I, was, when I first started off, you do, you know, a few of the small side of the games. So you do two or three games of a Saturday, two or three games of a Sunday. And then when the summertime kicked in, the evening games, you know, you do a match on the way home from work in a local club somewhere, you know, like Lugan United or Esker Celtic or something like that, you know. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you start off at a lower grade, but um, you know, the longer you're doing it, you move up a grade. So you you get the the likes of the under seventeen and eighteen Premier games and stuff like that, you know, which are a bit more competitive than the small side of games. Yeah, and those those two or three games you do say on a Saturday or a Sunday, would they be kind of back to back or would they be spaced out or? Yeah, yeah, they'd be back to back. It's funny because you know you, you see yourself uh, down eleven o'clock kickoff, you know, for a twenty five minute each each way game, and the next game is at twelve o'clock. But it never works out that way. The next game probably won't start till about quarter past twenty past twelve if you're doing a small yeah. side of game, you know. But um, generally, yeah, they they give you a straight back to back games, you know. 
Yeah, not too bad, yeah. So tell us then in terms of um, the referee course, what's what's entailed in that when you go in first to the FAI? Yeah, so basically it's a, a two-day course. Um, they they were doing it out in the Oscar trainer at the time when I was doing it. It's all done in Abbottstown now. Um, but uh, you basically go in, you learn the laws of the game over the two days. You kind of, um, on the second day, you get to go out. First day you're in, you're sitting, taking down a lot of notes, you know, reading a few of the laws. Then um, the second day they bring you out onto the, the field of play and you kind of, you go around and they, they do scenarios where, say, you have a corner kick, what position are you going to be in for the corner kick on the right-hand side and the left-hand side and stuff like that, you know? And, and then they do simple things like get you in the middle of the pitch and, and blow your whistle because some, some people aren't confident even blowing a whistle, you know, that's the way. Um, so, but yeah, no, it's interesting. Like I said, you learn like mad laws that you never even knew existed, you know? Um, like there was one that little quirky one stuck with me. Um, you can never score a non goal from a direct free kick. So say if you have a direct free kick, you, you you play it out, the wind or something gets it and it goes in. It doesn't count as an OG because you're not gaining an advantage. It's given uh, the opposition team's given a corner kick. Um, one of the other ones I learned as well, which I've never seen anyone do, and I'd do it if I had the chance. Um, for, a, for a penalty, you know how everyone's outside the 18 the yard box or the, the penalty areas, as we yep. call it. Um, you can actually stand at the side of the penalty area but you have to be in line or behind the penalty spot. So that's what I, I was saying. I tried that one time, you know, stand at the at the side and kind of see, it, you know, a little bit of intimidation to try to put the penalty kicker off, you know. Well, it actually, standing at the side actually kind of makes sense as well because typically if you save a penalty, you're going to palm it to the left or the right anyway for the follow-up. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's one I didn't know now. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's something you can actually do. It's it's in the laws of the game. Um, you're allowed to stand at the edge of, or the side of the penalty area um, in line or behind. The, obviously, you can't be ahead of the penalty spot. So it's one that I've never seen done, but it's definitely one I do myself have had the chance to. Uh, seems to make sense, all right. Hey, any yeah. questions? Want to jump in? I'm just taking it all in that role and think about it now. Like, the amount of chances I had to use that as an intimidation tactic. That's it, man. But even 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 as a follow up from a save, like it makes total sense, doesn't it? Like yeah, as opposed yeah. to running from the, the the top of the box, like yeah, like, like you like you said, Noel. If if the keeper's going to save it, he's going to palm it to the left or the right. He's not going to kind of try palm it back into where all the players are running in down the yeah. centre. You know, yeah. Now, is there is there any rules in there that are enforced um, in terms of being different to the professional level? Um, anything that comes to mind or jumps to mind that would be. And like, even like we're always told in the referees course you know you have to enforce the laws of the game no matter what age group like you know I've been out in different places like you know of a Saturday Sunday morning doing say when I was starting off doing an under 11s and 12s game and uh, sometimes you just have to use a bit of common sense you know that took away like yeah. I remember I remember I was out on like Castle Mock, I think it was under 12s and they were getting beaten 3 or 4 nil, and it was about 2 or 3 minutes ago and one of the defenders uh, punched the ball over 
over the bar. And it, obviously, I get a penalty, but the laws of the game say you have to send them off. But the team's getting beaten 3 nil, 3 or 4 nil. It's two minutes left. He's a little 12 year old. I'm not going to send them off. You know, it's you have to take a bit of common sense with it, you know. But obviously, yeah. if, there, if there was an assessor, an FEOI assessor out watching me, or, you know, I'd have to, I'd have to do it. But sometimes you just have to, like I said, just use your noggin, you know. Especially, yeah, especially because with kids, a red card at that young of an age can just completely spoil the game for you and ruin your exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I remember. Uh, I remember my own young lad Ben. He plays in goals, and I remember he got sent off. He ran out to save a ball, and he handled the ball outside the area, and he got a straight red. Oh, and like, they, like, and they take it fairly serious as well. It goes before the board and all, and you yeah. have to pay the fine. Isn't there like a twenty-five or a thirty euro fine or something? Yeah, for that, yeah. that has yeah. to be paid. Yeah. Every, yeah, it's proper serious. Like, but yeah. I remember. He was absolutely devastated because, like, he had let the team down and all. You yeah. know what I mean? It's all like it was a big deal, but it yeah. was just—it was just like it was hilarious to hear about it at the same time. You know what I mean? That's so, it. Like, like I said, but well, like a lot of Premier League referees have to go by the, uh, the exact laws of the game. You know, each game. But yeah. when you're out, like I said, when you're out there in Castlemock, Greystones, wherever it may be, you have to use your head. You have to use a bit of common sense at times. You know, yeah. you're not, you're not, we're not professionals like the, like them over in England or whatever. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, you just have to use your noggin. Yeah, and obviously with the younger kids, you're trying to encourage them to enjoy the game and play it in the spirit of the game as well. So you don't want to be putting the hammer in all the time, but you want to keep it under a decent bit of control. Like exactly, yeah. and then like Peter yeah. said, you know, if you send a little lad off, his confidence goes. You know, that's him. He's thinking about that for next week or two. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and he, he feels he's let because a lot of their teammates are their schoolmates as well. So he's going to school on Monday morning after being sent sent off and stuff like that. You know, it's it's all that you have yeah. to think of as well. I, I remember. I remember Ben the following week got a fair slagging over it. You know, yeah. he got, got tired into like, but he took it in good humor, you know, that kind of way. So yeah. tell us this then after matches, what's the follow-up? I mean, is there is there administration that has to be done or anything like that? Or what way does that work? Yeah, basically, um, obviously you get your match cards from the DDSL or whatever league you represent. Um, you, you obviously get them filled out before the games. Um, if there's any yellow, if there's a red card incident, you have to. We get red card reports, uh, report forms that we have to fill out and send to the DDSL. Um, they're based out in the FEI and Abbotstown there, so you have to do all that and send them all off. You know. Okay, and would you do? Would you have to do like a mini match report or anything like that, or is it only if there's incidents? Um, yeah, basically only if there's incidents. Um, oh, okay. um, so yeah, you just you just basically fill out if there's any yellow or red cards, and if there's not, you just send in what score it was, so they can obviously balance out the league tables and stuff like that as well. Okay. You know? And if and if you if you get a red card incident and you have to report that, would that have to be? Um, would you get something signed there by each of the managers or anything like that? Is it just for paperwork and admin, or is it something that would come up then if there's a fine or something like that, or? I'm sure yeah, there isn't a hearing or anything like that, but you know what I mean. Like, well, it, the the only time you get a hearing if the team that have a player sent off are trying to appeal it, you know, um, okay. you the, basically the DDSL or who like so whatever league is involved will ask you for your account of things, and they get it from them, and then there's usually a two or three man panel that will decide whether to upheld yeah. uphold the the red card or not, you know. Yeah, so I suppose, like in summing up, even even at a very uh, junior level, it's still a very sort of senior position in terms of the match and stuff like that, and in in terms of controlling the match and in terms of um, enforcing the rules of the game. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's, you know, like I said, it doesn't matter what what age group it is. It could be anything from under 11 to under 19. It's like you're you're the man in the middle, and you know the book stops stops with you, you know. And yeah. you're in charge of their health and safety on the on the on the field of play as well, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I've had times where lads have broken their arms and stuff on the pitch, you know, and yeah, you you, you just uh, you have to call the game off, wait on on the ambulance, yeah. do whatever you can, you know. Yeah, we had the same in a match down here where a lad popped his knee and uh, they had to stop the game and all and we looked after him and covered him up did all the things we were supposed to do until the ambulance arrived but the ref was brilliant as well and encouraging yeah. us and he was brilliant encouraging the player and everything well, what's going yeah, on there yeah. I told him he played in ACL and Wexford he just moved me off the pitch and kept playing <laughs> left uh, the they, they, on the they do it down different down the country you know no, they, must they, seen, they, must, they, must, they must have seen the Liverpool jersey hanging out of your bag what's the figure what's the figure you were hard lad that's it <laughs> Well, and in fairness, like I've had, a, I was down a league slip on the AstroTurf down there, refereeing under, uh, I think it was under 13s and 14s. So, but the sleet and snow started coming down, it was pelting down. And we were about 10 minutes into the second half. And I just, I called the halt to it and get the lads in the changing room. And one of the opposition parents was saying, oh, we're after traveling from halfway across Dublin and York. I said, I'd have to think about the kids, you know, the lads could get bleeding flus and colds and pneumonia and all this. And I'm the one in charge, you know. But even on the Astro, it's so easy to slip and get an injury and all, and the yeah. ground is kind of solid as well, you know what I yeah, mean? Especially yeah. if there's sleet and snow on it, you know? Yeah. Um, so in terms of looking then, moving into sort of the professional refereeing, um, I mean, what's, what's your feeling on the standard of refereeing, say, in the Premiership at the moment? Um, it's, yeah, it's um, kind of it's six or one half a dozen of the other, you know? You might get one or two decent refs, like... Mike Oliver, I thought when he came in, he was a he was a fantastic young ref coming up and stuff like that. But it's like everything; they're only human. He's going to make mistakes in games. Obviously, not now with VAR and stuff like that, you know. But um, there is there is certain referees you look at and think. Obviously, Mike Dean has won. He 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 kind of he's, he's more into himself than he is the actual game. I think you know that's a way which you don't want to see. Mark uh, Clattenburg was the same as well. He was just all about himself, you know. Yeah, it's it's interesting when you look at the referees these days. Um, you don't have those strong referees that we used to have. You know, like the David Ellerys and yeah. you know the pair of Luigi Colinas and you know who like there was no nonsense with them and players knew not to sort of answer the back or try it on with them because they knew they weren't going to get any joy. There's a lot of that sort of um, element has gone out of the game, really, hasn't it? Like referees seem to be just that sort of you know twenty third man on the pitch, really, that just is there really, you know, as opposed to having that proper presence on the pitch that those old referees used to have. Yeah, no, you're right, 100%. And I think a lot has to do with as well. Um, you, you don't see enough players getting um, getting booked for dissent, you know, for coming up and screaming on the referee's face. You know, that's the way, if I was out there, I, I would, I wouldn't mind, I'd be booking players coming up. You have to you have to enforce your authority, you know. Um, not a lot of lads are doing it. That game recently, was it the Burnley game where Sean Dice rent over to the referee after, you know, the Leeds game? Yep. Yeah, he, he blew too early, but I think it's only his second or third game in the Premier League, you know. Um, his confidence be shot now after that, you know. But uh, you're right, you don't get them. Like Dermot Gallagher is one as well, for instance. He was one the, a very strong referee. Um, actually, interesting fact, do you know where he's from? Uh, no, go on. He's, he, he's originally from Ringsend. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, only down the road from Pierce Street. So Dermot Gallagher, he's an Irish, officially an Irish referee. Yeah. Now, now we know why he was so hard. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so just looking at let's I suppose we should definitely move on and have a chat about VAR. Just the question we brought up on the show a few weeks now, and I want to get your opinion on it. What's your opinion on managers in the Premier League getting fined for criticizing the ref or his performance after a match? Do you think they're too protected or should they be protected at that point where a manager can't voice his grievances after the game? See, it's again, it's, it's a tough one, you know. Um, like I said, for that Sean Deutsch incident, for one, like it should have been kept kind of in, in the vicinity of the referee's room at the back, and he should have aired his grievances there and then not go, go on the pitch and kind of make a spectacle of himself, you know, that's a way I understand it is frustrating. Um, games are won and lost by referees' decisions, but um. I, I I think some of the some of the criticism is unjust. I I, I you know you can't you, for, as a as a manager. I think interviewing them straight after and asking about referee because their emotions are high straight after a game. You know, win, lose, or draw, and they're going to say something that probably shouldn't be said. You know, that's a way. Yeah, it's it's nearly like as if they should take take a little bit of time to digest it really and then as you said go and visit the ref in the room and have a proper yeah. chat about it because more often than not they they normally come out from those um, incidents um, and they realise that like yeah the ref was probably right or something like that or yeah, yeah. They, they, I mean obviously yeah I, I mean yeah, obviously, if you're like a, a smaller club, like a Burnley or something like that, you have a lot riding on it in terms of relegation and stuff like that. So you're obviously fired up after a match when you don't get a decision or get what you wanted and stuff like that. So I suppose it's slightly different, you know? But yeah, no, go ahead, Mark. 100%. No, 100%. Well, I was going to say, even at amateur level, we have it. Like, if I, I'm not going to make, on a, on the field of play, I'm not going to make every decision a right decision. I'm human. I make mistakes. It's in my opinion. That's what I see in front of me. You know, I've lads that have the flag on the sideline oh he's offside you tell, they have a better angle standing at the side of the pitch than I do to see an offside I can only see what's in front of me I can only judge what I see I am going to make mistakes but that's you know that's part and parcel of the game and I know Premier League referees you know they should be making the right decisions with their assistance and all the technology they have nowadays but um, sometimes they make mistakes they're only human you know yeah, yeah. so what's what's kind of like um What's your feeling at the moment on VAR? I mean, are you are you all in on VAR? Do you not really like VAR? Or you know, you know, is it good for the game? Is it bad for the game? What do you think? Um, like I was saying, myself and Pierre had a little chat there last night. Um, you know, when before it was introduced, we all wanted it. We all said, "I'll get it in." We've seen how well it kind of worked in rugby and cricket and a few other sports. Um. Especially, like I said, if a decision goes against your team, you're like, ah, oh, for VAR. But since it's been introduced, I don't. I just think it's taken a bit of the passion away from from the game. To be honest with you, um, you know, like for instance, I'm a United fan, you're a Liverpool fan. If the Hay or Allison save a penalty, you're waiting to see was his foot off the line before you can actually celebrate. You know that's a way. Yeah. Or if if there's a goal scored, it's the same. You're waiting. Where your emotion, you just want to jump and celebrate, but you actually have to wait a few minutes to find out what the situation with is with the. VAR. Or you know, um, it's the same with the offsides. You know, like Peter was saying to me, like your armpit, your toenail is offside, and that's it. It's 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 no goal. You know, it it just takes away from a lot. I think. 
it's so it's so hard now to celebrate a goal, isn't it? Unless you know yourself clear cut, it's a goal. You know, like a shot from distance or something like that. But like that, that whole that whole like jumping out of your chair as a fan, like for a fan, and and it's weird because fans were crying out for this, saying this needs to be sorted out with some of these crazy decisions. And now that we got it, it's like get rid of it. We don't want it anymore now. We actually miss it. Even if some of the decisions end up wrong, we, we yeah. tend to we tend to believe over the course of a season that the table evens itself out and that the look evens itself out. And, and, you know, if we truly believe that, then what did we want VAR in the first place? First, you know? Yeah, no, you're 100%. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, it's just a killer, you know? Well, you look at the Aston Villa one, um, the Paul Pogba incident there last week and, you know, Villa got the rub of the green against Sheffield United with the VAR system last last year, you know, and okay. they're complaining about it a few weeks ago with the penalty decision. Yeah. Um, and that was and that was the rub of the green that kept them up. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. It, it just shows you, you know. Yeah, again, yeah. Liverpool screwed by VAR because, you know, VAR had to fix that and put Villa down. We wouldn't have beaten 7-2 earlier in the season. <laughs> you keep thinking actually, up here you keep thinking up <laughs> that's that's actually a very good point Peter I like that, I like that. so yeah then I, I, I suppose then in summing up I suppose from a fan point of view we kind of don't like it from a referee point of view you're probably okay with it because you have it as an uh, you know an add-on to use if needed yeah. um, and a, well, a one, yeah. oh, sorry, because what I was going to say is what I would like to see is the referees using the pitch side monitors a lot more because, yeah, you know, it it, 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 um, it shows a referee can change his mind and admit that he made a wrong decision, you know, instead of someone up in the, uh, the VAR gallery making a decision for him. Let him go over it. Like I said, we can, we can blow too early or we can make mistakes, but if you can turn it around and say, right, I've made a mistake, it's not what happens, or reverse that decision, that's what I'd like yeah. to see instead of, you know, people waiting on the like I said, the people in the gallery to make the decisions for them, you know. Is there a lot yeah, of um, speaking of that? Is there a lot of ego? Do you think in the Premier League referees that a lot of them, even if they know they're wrong now, they're like, I made the decision, I'm not changing, it. I'm not going to say oh, I'm wrong. Oh, of course, hundred percent. You know, the the Premier League games are you know seen by millions of people around the world. No one, even in the amateur games, in in your own work of you know, whatever you do, you never want to admit that you're wrong. You never want to admit that you've made a mistake, you know? Um, so that there is a lot of that as well, 100%, yeah. Well, it's also, I suppose, you know, if they do get it wrong or something like that, they have VAR there as that out, isn't it? It's like, you know, it, it's like it wasn't me, ma'am, it was the older brother type of thing. You know what I mean? So they don't have to like, you know, they have that to, to, to use as a card to wave. So, exactly. um. So in terms of, let's move on then, I suppose, from refereeing and let's talk. There's a lot of beautiful silverware there you're surrounded by. That's um, it, yeah. So, it would be weird for you, United fan. Yeah, it is, so where it's, it's all I'm holding on to. It's all my hopes and dreams right here on this table. Man. Yeah, but um, tell tell us a little bit then about the, the trophy horror company, Hogan Elite Trophy Horror there on Facebook. Um, tell us how it got started, how you got into it kind of how it works some of the charity stuff you've done I had mentioned to people that a, a lot of it is charity based and you do fantastic work with it and stuff like that and also some interesting stuff like weddings and stuff like that and also give us a rundown on the business there and everything else yeah basically um, a good few years ago um, I was going online looking at stuff like I love all my retro jerseys and this that and the other and there was a guy online uh, 
doing the Sam, Sam for hire, the Sam McGuire. And then I kind of looked into it and I was, I was looking around and there was one guy kind of up the north doing something with a Premier League choke in the World Cup. And I thought to myself, there's a gap in the market down here to do it, you know, um, especially with the connections I have with the, with the local teams and stuff like that. So um, my first purchase was the Premier League trophy. Um, and uh, I just got that out. I started going around the local clubs, kind of fun days, end the season deals, stuff like that. And for the first while, I didn't have the Facebook page. It was just all word of mouth, you know, yourself. And I was doing, um, you know, for Esker Celtic, there was one of the, the players was diagnosed with a, a cancer and they were having a fun day. So I brought the trophies over, put them on the table and just put a book on the table. And we raised like 350 quid on the day just to kind of, yeah, towards the cause and um, Brilliant. with the with the with all that you know it's been great we've done stuff with the Sean Cox Fund and stuff and there's uh, Eddie Stars he was involved with the Navin Reds the Liverpool fan club got the trophies up there for a fun day and um, same thing that's they think they raised a, a good few hundred about seven or eight hundred on the day like just for pictures with the trophies and stuff alone um, but yeah it's it's been amazing it's been great it, there's a few guys that have kind of jumped on the bandwagon since and, and all, but um, yeah, I've got to meet loads of kind of, you know, legends and former players and stuff. Um, I ended up on the Garga with Gary Pallister one night in the Luton Spa Hotel through and stuff like that, you know, and uh, nice. met Brian McClare, Dennis Irwin, Arthur Alveson, you know, Sammy McElroy, all load of load of players you know um, and yeah. so yeah it's just I've just seen a niche in the market and it's great because um, I love seeing people's reactions when they see the trophy you know because my wife Yvonne and she, she didn't get it she doesn't get it you know that type of way um, like one of the first gigs we done was uh, the Premier League trophy was at a kid's birthday party one of our neighbours and uh, he was saying all the dads were pushing the kids out of the way to get a picture with the trophy and all that type of way. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's great. It's great. And um, like I said, I just love seeing people's reactions when they see the trophies, you know. It's it's amazing. The kids are blown away by them because, like, they, they actually feel like they're getting the whole, you know, the actual trophy as yeah, opposed yeah. to a replica of the trophy, stuff like that. But the trophies look fantastic. They're absolutely amazing in person. And uh, yeah, it's just the kids just to be just, they just, they walk in and it's like a, a shock and awe. They go, oh my God, that's a premiership yeah. trophy and all, you know. And I know they probably go to and go, here, mister, it's not the real premiership trophy, is it? And all that kind of thing. Yeah, you know? It is, it is. Right, and like, it's, you know? it's funny, um, last year, I think it was last, no, it was 2019, sorry. Like the, this woman booked it for her husband as a surprise for the wedding. And um, I went to pick it up that evening and he came out to me and he says, don't say it to her, but uh, that was the best part of the day. <laughs> it's on Wednesday, like, you know. I was like, oh, happy yeah. day. So, yeah, well, I no, see I've seen some of the videos on the page. They're absolutely brilliant now. I have to say... For a lockdown, aren't you? That you haven't had to see any of your kids doing the Hendo Shuffle with the Premier League trophy. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like The last year has just been with all this madness that's going on around us. It's been tough to kind of do stuff. I haven't really done anything in a while, you know. But um, hopefully when all this kind of goes down, uh, we'll get back out on the road again. Yeah, the, the, fear, the fear with the kids doing it is that one of them might drop one of the trophies or something like That's that it. and break it or danger or something like that. So tell us, what what, what trophies have you got available now? Um, with the Premier League trophy, Champions League trophy, World Cup, um, I'm hoping I'm hoping to get the Europa Cup soon. Um, 
the world the super cup the world club cup as well so i'm hoping to add to my bow soon Brilliant. but uh you know just doing it now there's another a good friend of mine actually brandon down the midlands doing it now as well midlands trophy hire so he he's busy if i'm kind of if i'm double booked i'll always pass it on to him then as well you know Excellent, brilliant, yeah. Sounds great, like sounds. And again, it's 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 another way of staying involved in football, isn't it? If you're not playing, like it's it's just a, like the refereeing. It's another thing, but it's it's still football based, if you like. So yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, um, so where where does everyone find you if they want to? Obviously, during these times, they won't be hiring. But if they want to hire or they want to set up something for a wedding, where can they catch you? Um, yeah, just I have a Facebook page, Hogan Elite Trophy Hire on Facebook. Go on, give it a like, and have a look at the pictures and stuff like that. And um, yeah, after, oh, like I said, after all the madness uh, dies down a bit, um, if you ring up and want to hire a trophy, just mention the Upper Tier Podcast and we'll look after you then as well, you know. Brilliant, excellent, yeah. We'll, we'll give it a plug on all our platforms as well after the show and everything. Um, so then I suppose moving on from that then, we should have like... A quick chat about Man United. Um, obviously, if this had been four or five weeks ago, it might be Ollie out or something like that. Who knows? But um, yeah, uh, I'm sure now at the moment it's probably Ollie in. Uh, just a bit, yeah. So, like, here we go, lads. There's the plug. Oh, nice. Fair play, Pierre. Nice, fair nice. play. So tell us, tell us how 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 do you feel? One, I suppose we should talk. Uh, Soldier, how are you feeling about him as a fan? Um, yeah, it's it's kind of frustrating um, at the moment because, you know, the kind of performances have been inconsistent. You know, they say the table doesn't lie in the way it does because I know we're up there, but the performances some some of the times have hasn't been great at all, you know. Um, is Ollie the man for the job? I, you know, what, what's he there? Two, two seasons or so now. Um, it's tough. You know, you feel for him at times because there's a lot of players there and the likes of Pogba that, you know, don't really want to know, you know, that's a way. Um he's a lot he's a lot to deal with there. So you kinda of have to take that on board as well. But there's other situations like we were talking about the other day, the the Van der Beek situation. I don't know what's going on there, man. You know, it's uh it's a weird it's very very, very you know, strange. It's bad when a player's agent that isn't Mino Rayola is telling them if you don't play this next game, pack your bags. Yeah, and um, yeah. like I said, with, with Pogba's agent, Pogba's, you know, he any transfer window, he's saying, oh, he wants to leave, he wants to leave. Van de Beek wants to play, and yeah, he's kept on the bench. You know, it's it's a weird situation. I think I think the problem with Pogba playing is really the Adidas influence, isn't it? In terms of the sponsorship and stuff like that, is what drives that. And the the problem with him as well, uh, um, it really does. Um, you know, it really does take away from Ollie really in terms of having that pressure on him from a sponsor's point of view, really don't want to go out and do what he does. But the Van der Beek one is a weird one because like he was recommended and brought in by Van der Sar um through Ajax, wasn't it? So like yeah. it's kind of it's it's a very strange one with the links with the clubs there that like I assumed when he came in he was just gonna slot straight in there and and, yeah. and he was gonna be playing most of the games. Yeah. Um, so it's a very strange one. So it'd be interesting to see how Van der Sar thinks about it as well, because it's like he sort of, you know, he parachuted him in there and said, see ya, and, and just left him to swing, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you can understand the frustration of the agent as well, you know? 100%, um, like 100%. And you look at Van der Beek when he came in, like he was sitting on the bench and Juan Mata was starting games ahead of him against Everton and stuff yeah. like that. And no offence to Juan Mata, he's probably coming to the kind of twilight years of his career. And you have Van de Beek who had such an amazing season last year with Ajax coming in and just warming the bench, you know, it just yeah. doesn't seem right. 
and also when he's come in, he's done okay. It's not like he's come in and done bad, you know what I mean? He's yeah. come in and he's performed when he's come in, you know, but he just can't seem to hold it down. I, um, I, had, uh, I got into I had a few United fans coming at me arguing with me because uh, one of them shared an article with me saying, Van de Beek says he feels at home at Man United. And I was kind of responding to him, go, you must have grew up in a house full of benches. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very it's it's very hard when you see those pictures of him in the stand. He's practically sitting there on his own, like you know what I mean. And I know they're all separated and stuff like that. But like he's sitting there, like he's nearly a groundsman or a fan or something like that. You know, he yeah. doesn't feel it's like he doesn't feel he's a part of it. You know that kind of way. Yeah, like and in fairness, you'll see now tomorrow against Watford if he doesn't start to be more rumblings there as well. You know, because I think he'll he'll rest the likes of Fernandez and stuff like that. You might see the likes of even Lingard get the game or say Gallum will play. But if Van de Beek doesn't start, I think there's something very, very wrong there. You know, yeah. you have to rest Fernandez. We were talking about it yesterday, Mark. Uh, Fernandez looked absolutely wrecked against you, yeah. and you kind of want him fresh for the Liverpool game. Yeah. Well, when you look at it, he's been carrying us for a year now. You know, he needs he needs to be rested. And um, he brought him off like three or four minutes to go the other night and stuff like that. And you're looking at it going, he needs a rest, like so. Um, and like you said, the Burnley game on Tuesday is massive for us. So he, I, I can't see him playing at all on, on Saturday. Which yeah. will be a good thing for us in in the long run, you know. I what I what I did notice in the city game though was he wasn't happy coming off at all, even with only three minutes to go. And I also noticed as well. Did you notice in that game when he's doing his interviews, he always talks about it being a team, and you know it's not about individual, you know, monthly awards or anything like that. But uh, he was quite greedy the other night on the ball, was he? He was taking shots from everywhere, like, and he wasn't playing lads in or moving with the pattern of play. And he seemed to be banging the ball from anywhere, trying to get that wonder goal. And you know, well, if uh, if, if Rashford and Martial were playing the way they were the other night, I wouldn't be playing them in either. I'd be taking shots from everywhere in the pitch, to be honest with you. Well, I'm apparently, I'm uh, quite jealous uh, that he was being greedy. Uh, really. We gave it about being greedy uh, two years ago, and now the prick won't bleed. And, Stop passing the ball. You want to take a shot? Well, shoot, yeah. So yeah. it's it's kind of opposite to track, really, isn't it? Yeah. We heard, uh, I heard, um, I heard a comparison made the other day. There, Mark, you love this one. I want to get your thoughts on it. They were comparing Bruno Fernandez with the King Eric Cantona, and I, 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 you need to give me your comment on that. I knew this is one I had to throw out there. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd call him the prince, not the king. Uh, you can't be called the king just yet. What Cantona done for us was just unbelievable. You know, you can't compare what Fernandez has done in the year to what Cantona done over the few years for us in the in the early to mid nineties. You know, um, yeah. he changed us into a title winning team. You know, that's a boy. Obviously, Sir Alex had a bit a lot to play in that, but it was a shrewd bit of business for him getting Cantona from from Leeds that time. You know, yeah. Absolutely, but yeah, an interesting comparison. Um, so tell us what's your what's your um what's your thoughts for the season? How would you see it panning out? Um, well, I think I think we need to get a centre half in. Um, I think the the whole Maguire situation with Lindelof isn't working really. Um, Boye is too injury prone. I lo- I love to see him play. You know, get a good good amount of games under his belt, but he, he just hasn't been able to deal with the injuries. And uh, to me, I think we need to get a centre half in. Um, like I said, sort the Pogba situation now, um, because the longer he's there, the the more it just becomes a circus in terms of everything, especially with his agent behind them. Um, and there's a lot of dead wood still at the at the club. The likes of Lingard, Jones, we have to go. We have to. It's great to see Greenwood getting a, a push of it last season and a half or so. So it'd be nice to see. I know you know stuff happened off the off the pitch that you know. He's only a young lad, but I'd like to see him you now progress and see where he can go. Um, but yeah, I just think 
can we win the league this year? I think anyone can win the league this year, not not just us. Look at Southampton. Southampton have got a run of games. You know, if you win two games, you jump up six or seven places in the table this year. You know, it's, it's such a strange year. Um, obviously, Liverpool, you are still staying strong, even with the injuries that you have. Do you see you have the strength and depth to go up all season? Who knows, you know? Very good. Um, any other, any other questions, Peter? Uh, no, we answered them all. Uh, any other questions? Yeah. It just be digs at United, and uh, yeah. fans aren't liking that anymore. So, uh, well, we 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 put it out there on uh, we put it out there on our social media platforms, and we asked the uh, we asked a few people to send us in a few questions, Mark here, to put you on the spot. You know, oh no way. Um, nothing, nothing too chaotic, but uh, we had a uh, we had a Manchester lad on from from uh, onto us, Morris, uh, who asked us your favorite United player ever. Of all time, um, yeah. Jesus. Do you know what? I started going out to Old Trafford in the early nineties, and back then it's all changed out. But back then, yeah, you, you always knew the starting eleven: Schmeichel, Parker, Pallister, Bruce, uh, Irwin. You know, you'd have them all. But I think everyone says Roy Keane. I used to love watching Dennis Irwin play him. Um, he could play right full, left full. He used to take unbelievable free kicks. You know, he was a proper defender. He knew how to defend and he knew how to get forward and, and cross as well. Um, so, yeah, I'd say he'd be definitely one of Him and Paul Scholes, I used to love watching Paul Scholes. I think he was probably one of the greatest midfielders of his time. Probably um, went under the radar slightly in England with Gerrard and Lampard at the time, you know. But he was, he, I say Irwin or, and Scholes would be definitely my two uh, top two players, you know. Interesting. Good choices. Um, we had uh, Josh on from London. Uh, the amount, amount of red cards you've handed out in a single game? In a game, I had uh, two red cards in one game. It was an incident off the ball, believe it or not. Um, and the team, actually, the team, one of the players that instigated the, the fight. Um, the team were winning like 7-2 in a cup game and it just there was a few minutes ago and there was a bit of argy-bargy so I sent the two of them off um, there's been other games as well where I had to send two coaches off for uh, shouting at each other over over the pitch you know yourself you know, when you're standing on the sideline yeah. in Greystones or whatever yeah. but the two lads were shouting across the pitch at each other and I just had to, I had to the ball went out I think it was for a corner a goal kick and I went over to the two lads and I said get out here I don't want to listen to you anymore you know it's mad, isn't it, that people don't realise the intensity of coaches and parents at like Saturday and Sunday league football. And like, there's it's only taken part. There's really nothing on the line in reality. You know what I yeah. mean? Because it's, you know, that that was an interesting question. Because uh, guy Joe from Mayo sent in, have you ever sent off a coach or a parent? At a oh game? yeah, plenty yeah, of times. So plenty of times. Like, there's um, you know. Oil, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was Noel, yeah. He still hasn't paid his wine either. But um, <laughs> now there's, I've sent parents off. Like, if someone's giving me abuse, what well, I usually do and go over, I try to break the ice and say, listen, if I want to be abused on a Saturday morning, I stay home, listen to me, missus for the morning. Do you know what I mean? If you kind of get a, a laugh and a smile, you've kind of broken the ice a bit. But there are times I go over and say, listen, if you don't shut your mouth, two things will happen. You'll go or I'll go. And without me, there's no game. So have a think about that, you know? Um, yeah. But you can obviously, you know, there are kids out there and they think their kid yeah. is the next Ronaldo or Messi and they're yeah. passionate for 90 minutes, but there's no yeah. need for it, you know? Yeah, our, our, our concerns always at the matches, really, um, from a parent point of view as coaches, is um, sometimes the level of language that's used. And, you know, they are only kids, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, so we've, we've one final question, and I, I know what, what 
what I would answer to this. It's Bren from Dublin. He said, your favourite ever United goal. Mm. I, suppose, I suppose you could break it down into league, Europe and FA Yeah, Cup, but like one of my favourites is, I'll go back to the early 90s, was uh, Bruce's header, his second header against Sheffield Wednesday in the last, this, which like brought on Fergie time, you know. If he hadn't scored that, we probably wouldn't have won the league and it probably wouldn't have brought on the amount of success that we had then, you know. That's probably one of my favourites. Um, there's so many. Remember Cantona's goal against Sunderland. Um, remember watching Beckham's goal against Wimbledon over in Tormelinos in, in a pub over there when I was only in Nipper. Um, obviously, in Europe, we have uh, Solskjaer's winner, which, you know, I still have goosebumps. Anytime I'm watching, I know Virgin yeah. Media were showing uh, replays of I still get goosebumps when I see that goal, you know. Yeah, I was watching them. I was watching a goal show yesterday, actually, on Sky Sports Prem, and they showed uh, Beckham's goal from the halfway line against Wimbledon, was it? Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. And you see the keeper pedaling back, unbelievable goal. And yeah. look, he, he eyeballed it and everything. There was nothing yeah. fluky about it. Yeah, I remember I talking to Brian McClare about it because Brian McClare actually played the pass to him. Yeah. Um, and I said, what were you thinking? And he said, I was out of breath. I just wanted to get rid of the ball. <laughs> and Claire said, so he, he played passing on to Beckham and then Beckham obviously said, I think it was Neil O'Sullivan was a goal uh, yeah, for yeah. Wimbledon at the time. He seen yeah. him off the line and obviously yeah. since then a few people have tried it like Ural May Shabby Alonso has yeah. scored a few from that uh, that area as well. But it was yeah. just unbelievable for the time. It was, and it was the opening yeah. day of the season as well that that game was. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've never forgiven United for that Cantona goal in the cup. Yeah, oh, against 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 the, against the Spice Boys in the white suits. Oh. It, it was but it was a, a, a poxy game to watch. Other that was the only yeah. thing out of it that you could take yeah. from it because yeah. there was all this build up and then it was just such a nasty climax. Yeah. Like, you know, it was, it was unbelievable. It just evolved into one of those games that was just going to be a stupid moment of madness out of nowhere. Yeah. Wasn't it really like big timely? But uh, there's, obviously, there's loads of other goals I can think of. I was at, uh, I was in the Stratford End for Wayne Rooney's debut against Renabachi. Um, I was actually there when he scored. Remember the volley against Newcastle, and um, where he was shouting at the referee, and obviously his overhead kick against City then. Um, but like I said, that Bruce goal, it always just kind of Palliser, because I asked Palliser about it as well. And Palliser was wrecked. He put in the cross, it took a deflection. Bruce just got in there with his head. I think it was the 96 minute or something like that. Um, and it, like I said, if that hadn't gone in, who knows what might have happened, you know? Yeah. It's mad, it's mad to think the way those those kind of moments nearly changed the whole pattern of history, really, of a club, you know? That kind yeah. of way. Like, you can single it back to those one moments, stuff like that. Any, um, any other questions, Peter, or anything you want to finish with or anything like that? Or? Oh, I think you covered them all. I think my favourite United goal would have been Eric Boyes, OG, uh, against us a couple of years back. <laughs> good technique, good quality there. Uh, that's when he played, I, I, that's when he played I, last he got injured after that and, and because we have a ref on sure any of those good vintage red cards on Torres you know ah, what I mean so like, amazing they, 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 they always jump back to mind and stuff like that but yeah no it's been wonderful it's been wonderful talking about all the stuff and um, like we said we plugged the, the trophy horror business stuff that's like that no, no doubt we'll have you back on again talking about Man United but uh, I suppose for me Niall the coach for Peter from the Superior Comic Show and the Upper Tier and for Mark Hogan. Thanks a million for having us on. Brilliant. Cheers, lad. Thanks a million, lad. Thanks Old for having me on. Right. <laughs> Take care. <laughs>